three near-death experiences. Correct, yes. Three. Three of them. One, two, three. I kind of hit rock bottom at that point because mm. I lost everything I had worked for so so early on just by, you know, driving and drinking once. I like tw- had a twist and then his, his tires ran over my legs. Something died inside me, whether it was my ego, whether it was maybe my soul's exchanged or whatever but that night you know I dreamt and I woke up shaking you know vibrationally and like seeing myself outside my body all right Selena how are you I'm good I'm alive there there you and speaking of that's a perfect transition for what we're about to talk about you said you wanted to focus on your story so you've had three near-death experiences correct yes three three of them one two three yep Okay. Do you want to start with one of those? Yeah, sure. I'll start with uh, my first one. Uh, My first one was about, I was about 21 years old. Uh, It was like my first time kind of going out, you know, having a good time. And I was living in uh, in Riverside, California. And then uh, I was kind of in San Diego and it was a crazy, uh, kind of crazy night. Uh, I had a, you know, gone out, gone dancing, had a couple beers in me, and then I smoked a little weed. And then, uh, I had to go shoot up to Riverside because I was going to snowboard the next day. And uh, I would just remember uh, being in the car and driving. And then um, I don't remember really anything after that, but I was really tired. Uh, and then uh, get off an exit because I knew that I was really tired. And then <laughs> from there, I kind of fell asleep at the wheel and then uh, drove my car into drifting into a little ditch. And then I uh, flipped my car. And then I was as I was in the air... Uh, I woke up <laughs> to to myself being flipped in my car and then my car was kind of like sideways in the ditch. And then I kind of had to pull myself out of the window and like just kind of sat there on my window and uh, realized, you know, I'm not in a very good situation here. And uh, the person behind me saw me. So they kind of, you know, kind of stopped me to make sure I was okay. And then the ambulance came, all that. Um, given this was like when I was 21, I was having, you know, I was really successful. I was making a lot of good money at my age. And that kind of ego, you know, kind of got in the way and I thought I was invincible. And uh, I uh, ended up flipping my car, losing my whole brand new finance car, losing everything just because of certain scenarios where, uh, you know, insurance or whatever, like, and moving and stuff like there was a cancellation on it and so from there like I had the ambulance come pick me up and then the cops arrested me got charged for a DUI uh I was I blew 0.8 and I was so young that I didn't really know like to kind of you know fight it or whatever but I just kind of let things happen and, and play out as it should and then that was kind of my first near-death experience uh all I got was a seatbelt bruise um and then <laughs> Like I said, I kind of hit rock bottom at that point because I lost everything I had worked for so so early on just by, you know, driving and drinking once. And uh, a lot of people get away with it and stuff. And for me, it's just obviously not my path uh, for a reason. But yeah, so it was kind of a like a big wake up call to me. And um, I continued to keep partying and stuff like that and, you know, went to jail for my first time ever. And it's not something I like to like talk about or whatever when I was younger, but now it's part of my story and it kind of helps me like, you know, talk to others about it and fight addiction maybe and and stuff like that. But um, that was my first one and uh, it was kind of crazy. Still kind of young. So I kind of was still like not fearful of the consequences, (laughs) Um, but uh, it definitely was 
kind of part of my wake-up call, the first one. From there, I just, I had to move everything and kind of like rearrange my life. I had a driving job and I had to quit, you know, um, and that struggle was real, you know, going through those classes and like none of them really made sense to me until like my second near-death experience, you know, but um, I kind of, you know, had to do the whole thing, the whole spiel and work my way through it. And then given, you know, I come from a very like uh, dysfunctional background and like a lot of abuse and, and stuff like that. So for me, it was kind of an escape when I was younger, like the, the drinking and partying. Yeah. So uh, stuff like, you know, stuff like that. It was like kind of an escape for me to, you know, for, for what I was feeling inside and like all that trauma you kind of have stored up. And a lot of people, you know, um, they definitely like try to void out or like, you know, numb themselves um, instead of feel things. And like, that's kind of what I've been learning, you know, through all my, my near-death experiences is kind of like, you have to feel things like you can't void them out. You can't, you can't numb yourself any more longer or like less than you should. Like it, everyone has their time and point where they go through trauma and, and like those near death experiences make you like realize like what life is about and like living and like, cause once you meet that, you know, that death or you see death or you almost know that you could have died, like something in your brain kind of switches and, and hopefully it makes you, it pushes you to grow I think. And was it the first one that made that shift? Are you saying these are lessons you learned with each one that uh, happened? So I think it kind of, it kind of took me three of them to kind of like, I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm Italian, you know, it's like <laughs> in my blood, but uh, like, I'm just stubborn and, and I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to like, you know, kind of kind of deal with my traumas, you know? And so it was, it was definitely like, well, did it mess you up in the first one? Like, did it, you're saying it took, it took a couple of times to so just like kind of brush it off and you didn't contemplate that you almost died and it didn't affect you in any philosophical or deeper meaning of a way? Yeah. So I think, I think that first one was like, kind of like, like a wake up call. Like this is life. It can happen very quickly. Like things can change very quickly. But I wasn't until like my second one where I really like woke up. Right, and what, like, ha what happened that second time? That second one was kind of gnarly. It was, <laughs> it was, um, you know, it was right after I kind of flipped my car. It was about like three months afterwards. I moved from Riverside down to San Diego. And I was in a house full of like addicts and stuff like that. And just like, you know, when when you're when you're trauma bonded and like you you kind of grow up with certain people, you kind of attract those people in your life subconsciously. And so like I was still surrounded by a lot of people that were hurting and because and, I was hurting still. And so uh, that second one, I moved down to town, downtown San Diego and, uh, you know, um, trying to create this like nine to five lifestyle. Like I went to college, I was an athlete, you know, I got, a, you know, all these scholarships and whatnot. And, and I thought, you know, I got to do like this nine to five, like get in the system, the rat race. And that second one was really when I woke up and about like about my like life path and like what I want to do on the daily and um, what makes me happy and stuff like that. But uh, I was working in downtown 16th and Island. And uh, one day I decided to go grab some, uh, some lunch from my car on my lunch, obviously. And I was uh, kind of parked in front of this skate shop called Slappy's Garage. And I was parked right there and I grabbed my skateboard went and, you know, skated up to my car and then grabbed my lunch. And then as I was crossing back 
to my uh, like office, which was like in like my car was parked in slap in front of Slappy's garage. So I was, jumped on my skateboard, and as soon as I started to like uh, push my skateboard and cross the street, I noticed that this truck Ford Ranger was um, at the stop sign, but he didn't actually like stop. He kind of ran it, and then as he was kind of like gassing, like accelerating. Uh, he was looking at his phone, texting. Oh, shit, you saw it happening. Yeah, I saw it happening, and like I knew it was happening. And so uh, at that moment, like I was going, I was going down pretty fast through the crosswalk or whatever. But um, yeah, he he started to accelerate more and more. He didn't even see me. I'm kind of like waving my hands, you know, like hey, I'm here. Like, and he he just didn't see me. And then, you know, my only choices were kind of to jump on top of the like car or like dive. And so given I'm like playing softball my whole life, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to dive and try to like clear this car because he's obviously not stopping. And then uh, so from there, I just kind of dove. And the crazy thing about this whole thing is is it kind of felt like it was meant to happen. I felt like this force kind of pulled me back in regards to the accident because I know I cleared it. But for some reason, I had like this force kind of pull me back a little and then from there, I like tw- had a twist and then his his tires ran over my legs. Oh, shit. Yeah. So at that point, I didn't really know what was, like was happening and stuff like that. But um, like it was just crazy. I, my body was in shock. And then, uh, you know, I'm just on the ground and there's witnesses everywhere. There's witnesses from the, the skate shop and everything like that. And uh, this guy just kept driving. And, oh, he never uh, stopped. He didn't even know he hit me or ran me over because he was looking at his phone the whole time. And then uh, eventually he saw me like in his re- rear view mirror. Uh, the, some girl was just on the ground with her skateboard. And then, you know, multiple people from the the skate shop came over and kind of helped me out. And and that was kind of like, a you know, it was a big blur because you're like, your body's in shock. But he eventually came back. And um, the first thing he said to me was, can I pay you off? How were you? Okay, so a couple of things. Sure. How how were you hurt? Did you come out? You were okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know if I was hurt or not. Um, Just your body's in shock and the adrenaline. But um, I was just kind of like laying my, like my legs were kind of like straight out. And I was just like kind of sitting up in the street. And I'm just kind of looking over and, you know, people are looking at me like, are you okay? And like, you know, some of the the witnesses from like, uh, you know, uh, the skate shop were like, this guy ran the stop sign and like, he wasn't even looking at you, like, just wasn't even paying attention. And then, yeah, like, I, like I didn't feel any type of hurt. Like, my legs were kind of sore, but um, I didn't actually feel like the soreness till like the next day or the next so week. So nothing broke, nothing, no blood. And that's the crazy thing about it. So when I was taken to the ambulance, or the ambulance took me to you know the the nearest hospital, um, the ICU nurse came straight up to me and she said, you know. I've been here for 25 years and I've, I've never seen anything like this. She's like, I can't believe that your femur's not broken. Yeah, what the hell? Like nothing was done to me um, and like survived it, like the impact and everything. And and to go to find out, like I did get a minor like ACL tear uh, from that turn because yeah, I mean, it was that's so considering quick. That's great. It's great news. But um, it was really uh, upsetting for me because as an athlete, like an ACL is like super important to me. Um, but all the sports I played growing up and like, I, you know, I get hit crossing the street and that's how I get injured. But 
it's part of the story and I, I'm sticking to it and I, I still, I'm still playing on it, you know, and, and it's stronger and stuff like that from the accident, never got surgery. Cause that whole situation, it was kind of like this guy had no insurance, uh, you know, and he ran, he ran over a girl, didn't get, you know, taken to jail or anything like that. And so you survived a car, a car wreck inside yeah. a car. Then you survived being outside a car, getting hit by a car. Correct. Yeah. Is the third one, a car. Third one, uh, third one was on my motorcycle. Jeez, you're just going, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, from there, it was kind of like, um, you know, that the second one really, you know, woke me up to, like, kind of the job I was doing, kind of, like, um, the path I was on and how stressed I was and unhappy I was. And so that one kind of, like, really changed my life. It really made me change the direction of my life. The third one. The, the second one. The second one. Okay. The second one. Okay. I literally felt like I lost my ego. Like I was suffering so much and then that accident happened and it's kind of like something was released in my brain, maybe a DMT like hit or something like, but when you're, you know, you're almost dead, that's what happens to your, you know, your brain. It kind of like releases that. And, and I never, I never thought or, or like was like thinking the same way or, you know, about life. I was thinking, you know, I have to live in the present every day now. Like I, I could be dead crossing a street, you know? And so for me, that was kind of a big spiritual awakening for me. Um, and that one was the one that knocked me down the most because clearly, you know, I was so active and I, I couldn't be active. Then I, you know, I quit the accounting job and moved to Hawaii and did this like spiritual, like kind of um, path and <laughs> figured out like what I really loved, what I really like, what, what really brought me happiness and um, what like lit my soul on fire, you know, and and to not do things that are not necessarily a waste of time, but is not right for me in my path. And so, yeah, I kind of uh, had a lot of healing to do too. And um, Hawaii was it. And then, you know, years went by and uh, I learned to be more grateful and like, you know, just wake up every day knowing I have another day to do what I love. And since that day, I, you know, I get up every day, ride my skateboard or do something like I love. And uh, from there, I <laughs> it's been a couple years. And then my third one happened. And that one was kind of wild too, because I kind of felt like the same, not necessarily pullback from a force, but um, that second one also brought me very close to God. And like, and like all these things were starting to happen where, you know, I was kind of experiencing, you know, uh, things from a higher source, like things you wouldn't even like believe unless it happened to you. Like, you know, when I was really low, I was kind of like depressed and like suicidal. And I almost tried to kill myself, like walking into a trolley, like, and then the moment I like, this was my, during my second one, because I had lost everything again. And just like so much was going on and like, you know, everything I was dealing with, uh, the guy got away with it all. And I just felt like the system was kind of like crazy and like just corrupt and, and everything like that. And, you know, that one time I started to walk towards the trolley in downtown, uh, you know, this, this person, I don't even know, I don't even know where he came from. He just kind of walked in front of me as I was walking towards the trolley and he said, stop, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're so special. Like you don't want to do this. And from that moment, I kind of knew that that was God speaking through someone, you know, I, I was so in shock because like no one else could have known what I was thinking in my head. And so from there I met God and like, I was having these crazy dreams and all these kind of like, you know, 
crazy numbers throwing out thrown at me and like just reading the universe a little better and and just being grateful and having that vibration a little higher um mm-hmm. if that makes any sense but no it does I, and I, I want were you religious but you've been religious or is this something you've kind of you know believed in so, before all this so I grew up Catholic, obviously a uh, very Italian family, uh, baptized Catholic, but um, naturally, yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I think um, through that second near death experience, it changed my my way of thinking about religion because I'm more spiritual than anything else, um, and it's kind of like you know reincarnation or something like that. What I, I kind of like you know believe in, and like we're souls that come down here and try to like have this human experience. Because, you know, the things I kind of grew up with, I I saw a lot of hypocrisy in in the way that I got to church. And, you know, there was a lot of bad in the church. Um, And then I grew up with parents that were kind of like bad and like ultimately like people that weren't very, you know, honest with themselves or with what they're doing. And so it kind of like shaded my like thoughts on like religion. Yeah, Uh, it's like the Sunday morning Christian, the people that, you know, go to church on Sunday and then do some fucked up shit. Exactly. That week. And so like, that's, that's what I grew up with seeing. And so for me, I just kind of stayed away from churches and stuff. And my escape as a, as a child was to go outside and play because I was in such a dysfunctional family. I knew this craziness was not okay, but my saneness was outside in nature, like being with the earth, being with animals, being with, you know, people that were good kids that were good for you. Um, but you know, growing up as an adult and all makes sense now that like, that escape was escaping from, you know, a really bad place. And now it's, it's really kind of shaped who I am as a character, like in the, in this little, you know, playbook or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's, it's, I'm kind of grateful that I got to have that escape because now I'm this person that does these extreme sports and I I have no fear, you know, because I've seen death. Like I've, I've witnessed it. I've, I know that it can be taken away, like life can be taken away so fast. Yeah, especially the two experiences. The, well, we haven't really gotten into the the third one, but the, the first two experiences, um, you know, you came out relative, like relatively, of course, but relatively unscathed considering a, a car wreck like that where you're flipping and you're in the air and then getting literally run over by a car. So it's interesting because there's near-death experiences where people, you know, I've had a couple on this podcast where people actually quote unquote die and then come back. And then there's, years which you've escaped it by such a fraction you know like one maybe a little higher up getting run over the car would have been different or maybe one different trajectory angle in the car you would you would have crashed and landed different so it's a totally different perspective when you come out with that consciously because i mean i guess consciously you walked out of the car and you were still conscious when he hit you so that's even a different experience of perspective knowing it was just one little half a second difference what could have been life or death. Right. And honestly, I think that second one was where I did. I, th- I felt like I died. Like s- something died inside me, whether it was my ego, whether it was maybe my soul's exchanged or whatever. But that night, you know, I dreamt and I woke up shaking, you know, vibrationally and, and like seeing myself outside my body. And um, it was a weird concept. In, in like, your dream? No, I mean, like I, it wasn't necessarily a dream. I just felt it. Like, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, my body was like almost coming out of like... So you're, so you're awake. I was. Yeah, I was. And uh, it's hard to kind of um, explain because like, you don't feel it or you don't know what it is unless you've gone through it. And so for me, I felt like I had died, you know, from that skateboard accident. And... Well, this is... Well, sorry, was this the same 
night or how far, what was the timeline of this dream? Uh, this so I was in the hospital for a little bit and then they released me and then, yeah, I went back to the house and rested and then, um, you know, my body was obviously super sore. Um, mm. Felt I mean, like yeah. I did a million squats, you know. At least. I mean, yeah. I've done a shit ton of squats in my life, but yeah. I haven't been ran over by a truck. Was it a truck? It was a Ford Ranger. So if, if it was anything um, else than that, I think um, it wouldn't. I wouldn't have like survived it. Yeah, that's another question. Yeah. So for me, it was kind of, it was, it's a miracle, you know, but I definitely think it was, it was supposed to happen. Um, and I think. Why do you say that? Because everything's supposed to happen for a reason, you know, like everything we do, everything we experience, it's all either a lesson or a blessing. And like, I just truly think that if I didn't go through that, I would have just stayed my course as an accountant. Hmm. And so, you know, because we're taught that this is the life we have to like do, you know, from school to college, then into the rat race. And for me, after that experience, it showed me everything that I could be. And the system necessarily doesn't really like provide for me, you know, much happiness if I'm put in it. Um, so I kind of just do the opposite and make it work, you know? Um, and you know, the happiness is my number one priority because life is meant to be lived and it's meant to be in a happy state. And so, so many people go through life and they're just doing the daily routine and making the money and not actually experiencing life. Um, and so that really taught me like, Hey, like go do that thing you want to do so badly, quit that job you hate, you know, um, and, and follow those dreams you want and create your future, your future that you want and, and leave everything else behind because everything's temporary. Like everything is always changing and you have to be able to adapt. And so many people don't like that change. Mm, I feel like we're talking shit on accounts. <laughs> So I mean, everyone else, I mean, everyone has their role, obviously. Yeah, no, of but, course. Uh, I mean, it just wasn't happy. for me. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm just talking, I'm just talking yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's so I know funny. I never wanted to be an accountant. I don't know how. Thank you, because you guys do my taxes, so I appreciate sure. that, because I don't want to do that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't want to do it any, anymore either. <laughs> yeah. So so we're, so then what happened? So, okay, so you, after the second one, you start having these a little bit more... Um, deeper reactions and epiphanies and these experiences. So then a couple of years goes by and then what happened with the motorcycle? So that, yeah, um, I was ran over like probably 23 years old. And then my first, my first near death experience was 21. And then, um, my last one that I've had, I mean, I can't say last, but well, knock on that table. Right. <laughs> wood right there. Please. But um, I definitely think this uh, this third one was really wild. But um, it was, it, you know, it was in a time where I still had a lot of like inner trauma stored inside me. And like just things that I was like doing didn't really like vibe very well with like the lifestyle that I wanted. I knew I needed a change. Um, but yeah, this third one was kind of wild. I, um, was pulling out my motorcycle. It was a Kawasaki Ninja, like street bike. And then, um, that day I was going to go sell it and it was stored in my twin brother's garage. And then the moment I came out of the garage and like was at the stop sign about to like take off, I crossed the stop sign. And then this lady was kind of like pulling into her home and she did like a U-turn while I was kind of going straight. So she kind of like forced me to go over her hood because she blocked me. Mm -hmm. So then my bike, I got ejected from my bike. And then from my bike, 
my bike flew to the right of me and then I directly went into the space left in between a car bumper and the concrete. So my head was jammed into... How fast are we going? Is it, it's you, going about like 30, 35, normal okay, speed. fast enough, yeah. Yeah, but the acceleration was pretty fast, obviously. I just didn't have time to brake because it was almost vindictive of the way that she kind of like blocked me. There was still a little space left and I was trying to get, you know, try to survive, try to get past that. Um, and then she kind of like pushed forward even more. Um, and it was kind of like a control thing for her, you know, and... and um, control thing? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people... I think people that, you know, are driving, I think that some people have a lot of pride in things and they want to be in control of when, you know, what, what the next move is, well, even when they're driving. Yeah, I, I, can see, I, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like they rather like, you know, I'm first kind of entitlement. And so she wanted to be there first. And so that's what happened. She kind of like pulled forward and didn't want me to like get past her or whatever. And uh, yeah, I ended up flying over her car. And then that happened. And then I totaled, totaled my motorcycle. But uh, I definitely got like a slice of plastic cut through my knee. And then I had a few stitches there. Um, and I have like, you know, hip damage, not hip damage, but like I had like deep tissue, like stuff I had to work out. Um, but that was a crazy one because if I would, if I was anywhere like above that bumper, uh, you know, below my neck would have probably been broken. Um, and then, you know, the crazy thing that I felt flying in the air when I got ejected from my bike, I kind of felt this like bubble around me, like this protection, this energy around me of stillness, calmness. And I don't know how to explain it, but it was just like the, the best way I can explain it is this energy bubble, um, was kind of over me. And, and then I, I just had my eyes closed and bra didn't really know what was going on. And my eyes were, yeah, completely shut. And woke up with my head jammed underneath this car, you know, and pulled it out. And that helmet saved my life or God saved my life. I know that it was God for sure. It's God's helmet. It's God's helmet. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it was like, it was another wake up call to get me closer to him because I was kind of straying away. Like the things that I was kind of experiencing, I was smoking, you know, tons of weed and like, you know, just partying and like I was in the skater scene and like that that scene is very like you know a lot of drugs come from that and um and it just was like another wake-up call to me like that I have some things to work on like I need to like for me I know that I need to be clean and sober like it just doesn't work with me it doesn't these reactions I'm having to alcohol now and uh, the way that we kind of like, I, I get dependent on it, you know, and it's not like, it's necessarily not a bad thing for other people, but um, for me, it just doesn't work anymore. And I want it to be in this, like this, you know, this group, you know, this social group where, you know, everyone is partying, everyone is having a good time, but like, I've, I've now grown up to, to realize like the good time can be done without all of that. Like, and uh, I'm, I'm meant to not have that in my system and and stuff like that. And I vibe very well, much more like without it. And and uh, so that accident, that third one really woke me up to like my addictions and uh, and how much trauma I started to heal and, and the grief that I had to go through, you know, and the, the depression, the pr depression and the state that I was in, it wasn't like my best, you know, best self. Um, and so that was another one to kind of like push me, like, you know, like. So it's really, so 
especially the third time where mm-hmm. you, you have an accident where, you know, if, of course, if things could have gone a different way, maybe you could have died. It's just the, con- it's just the simple contemplation that anything could happen at any moment. And, and it caused you to reflect on how you're living your life now. So, so from my understanding, so you had you had these three different experiences, and it seemed like at for at some point it made you contemplate how you're living your life, but the second one didn't stick. And I it's not it. that the second one didn't stick. It, it was more so I still had healing and grief to go through. You right. know, I I still had like the second one stuck with me the most, if anything. But the third one was unexpected. And it was like another reminder, like, hey, like... Unexpe- I mean, weren't they all unexpected in some capa- in many capacities? You know? Yeah, in a way, yes, of course. But, um, you know, after you go through two, you don't think you're going to go through another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, there it is, you know, in your face. Um, but it was also a wake-up call because I knew deep down that I needed to stop doing these addictive things. And God's just like, okay, well... <laughs> If you're going to keep doing it, I'm going to keep showing you like... So was that your biggest pull from it, from that, especially from that last one, is that it, it, kind of, it redirected you into your habits? It did. It, it redirected me into my, my habits that were kind of suppressing my trauma. You know, I, there, was a, there was a time period where I cried for two weeks straight, you know, from the, the childhood trauma that I grew up with. And, uh, and so that was kind of part of all of it too, like, you know, with my twin and like, you know, just the stuff that we've experienced and kind of the cycle that he's living um, and the cycle that I'm breaking. Um, so it was a hard one, but it was definitely one where it was like, all right, here's the grief. Like here's, and I had a state after that where it was like depression too, you know? And I think suffering comes with depression and, and depression is the last part of grief. Like I think once you can get past depression, even though it hits you in waves, I think when ultimately you have like, this long period of depression, it, you're suffering, but you're also healing. You know, um, things are dying inside of you and you're re rebirthing yourself in a so way. Is that what, so what are you grieving exactly, specifically? Um, just everything. I mean, even from accidents, you get physical trauma, you get emotional trauma, you have trauma that's stored inside of you for years, you know? And so, um, you know, I was abused as a child, you know, um, you know, different kinds of ways and just through, grew, grew up with like multiple, you know, narcissistic people in my life, kind of manipulative, malicious, uh, narcissist. And so again, like kind of working my way through that and like understanding that these people are out there, but then understanding like that there's good people out there too. And like, uh, making me become someone that I don't, you know, that I want to be um, I want to be good. I don't want to be surrounded by the people that I grew up with uh, necessarily. Everything I've gone through has kind of taught me like who I don't want to be. Mm. And so it's kind of like shaped the way I am now to be good. Like it's easier to be bad than good, I think. Um, yeah, for sure. You I know? Mean, I, sometimes I wish I could just be an asshole and be bad. It seems like the way more yeah, easier of a route. <laughs> right. I think it's definitely easier to be that way. But, you know, nothing's been easy for me in my life. It's always been pretty difficult until you start to like really look into yourself and what you can, you can do to become better. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, I haven't, I've been, you know, in pretty bad car accident, one bad car accident, but it's, I guess when you have, when you have those experiences where, you know, you're a split second away from potentially having a catastrophic life threatening life ending situation, it does. It's, that's like one of the most shocking ways to shift your perspective, you know? And I think, 
it's a ble- it's a blessing in many ways, as messed up as the situations are, as long as you take it that way. So is that what you're doing? Are you how do you do you ever shift out of that mindset? Or you do you constantly remind yourself of these moments that keep you in check? Is that what you do? Is that your motivation or is it a f- like a fear now? So, I mean, that's how it's, I mean, those first two is like kind of like, you know, it's a reality check, but then I kind of swayed away from it. I was becoming more entitled, more ego. Um, at, what, at what point are we talking now? Uh, this is after my second one. Like, you've, you know, obviously like five years went by between the second and third one. Um, and uh, I still wasn't healing. I was still being very like egocentric. And so, um, that third one was a reminder, but all of them are reminders. That third one was a real big reminder. I have the scar right in front of me all the time, you know, and it it makes me like wake up every day and try to be the best person I can be. And there are days where I am like an asshole sometimes. And like, and like, I have to apologize to people like for some, some things that trigger me and like, um, and so for me, it's ultimately about waking up, being grateful about, you know, whatever you have in your life. It could be worse. And to treat people kindly and uh, and to know that there's evil out there and that, like, you are protected, but also to create your boundaries with evil as well. And uh, and it, it's definitely, yeah, those, those near-death experiences are just reminders that ultimately God is there watching over you your every step he's in full control like your ego needs to die like you're not in control you can be in control all you want but ultimately anything can change in an instant how do you explain to someone who doesn't believe in God um I would say like a um uh I would say (laughs) it's a hard question actually but I think it's an energy thing too I think it's more about what you have gone through in your life and your perspectives, because um, you can believe in anything, right? Um, but for me, my story is I know he's there, um, or who I don't know if it's just one God, a couple gods, whatever. But I think ultimately there's things up there that are you know watching over us or whatever. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I sure hope so. And like, I'm not a I'm not per se a very religious person. I, I made fun of myself earlier for say, like, another episode for saying I think I'm more spiritual and I, I'm like more, I, I think there's something, you know, I believe in a, some, maybe some sort of higher power. Sometimes I don't even know what the hell I believe in. But my point of asking you that question, because, you know, there's plenty of people that don't believe in God, plenty, plenty of people that believe in different things that may not be labeled as a God, but kind of saying the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I try to, I try to, because I feel like when I like to look at the the other side of the foot sometimes and I wonder, you know, when you say we're protected and, you know, we're, we're, we're looked over by a God and someone doesn't believe in a God, do they just not like, what are the, you know, how, what is the answer to them? Like they're being like, I'm not protected by a God and we're just living in this world and things happen. Right. And I, I have dealt with people, you know, of that sort and it's not anything um, bad or anything. I think they just haven't gone, they haven't gotten the experience or the traumatic event yet that may change them or lead them to believe that. Maybe, but some some people have uh, a traumatic experience and because of that traumatic experience, they don't believe in God. Right, right. And ultimately it could have been me that way too. There was moments where, yeah, I don't, there's not a God, you know, even after my two near near death experiences, I was just like, so depressed, you know, and like, even to that point where I was telling you, I was walking, you know, towards the trolley. It's like, I really didn't believe in a God. I really didn't. And then boom, there's just this person, you know, like came out of nowhere and 
for me, it's hard. You can't change anyone else's perspective. It has to come inward. It has to come from something so much bigger than you or, you know, them. It has to come from an experience or maybe a death or maybe... Um, Definitely inward. I, that's what I, I, I mean, I yeah, I agree with that part in and reverse I, to the... Yeah, I definitely think a lot of people um, are afraid to look inward. Yeah. And so that's why necess- not, maybe not necessarily why they believe there's something else up there or, you know, something protecting us. But um, that's, people that's, that's fear, journey, right? yeah, that... Yeah you know, being alone or feeling their, their trauma or healing, they're afraid. So many people live in fear. And that's another thing I learned from these experiences is you can't live in fear. Like we're not meant to live in fear. We're meant to live in like a very high vibrational, you know, um, feeling, um, love, you know, and so many people don't know what love is or where, you know, cause they've been, you know, conditioned to, you know, accept love as conditional, not unconditional. And so I, I, even from my experience, the love that I got was, uh, it was conditional. So my healing and my, my triggers and stuff, it's, it all kind of intertwines to becoming more, more unconditional towards people and, and just being like myself and loving myself and loving others. And, uh, I think that, people yeah people that don't necessarily believe in something bigger still have some things to work on not maybe everyone but um i think that their time will come to maybe maybe not but um it's definitely like i said an inward thing you have to you have to want to believe it amazing thank you selena i really appreciate you being on here thank you for taking the time to share your story and your perspectives and everyone else thank you again for tuning into another episode of dead talks until next time <laughs>